Are you recording now? I am, always. Okay. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> That's so sneaky, sis. Well, welcome to the Thursday, July 16th edition of Listen and Learn or Not. I am Anna D. Peekaboo. With me, our live coach, Lori, on her personality, author, mother of three, grandma of four. Hi, Lori. Hello. <laughs> We also have Claire on the air, wife of one, human of two. <laughs> and you, Claire, you just became an auntie. I an did. auntie of a twin. Oh. Uh, not an auntie. I <laughs> am. You know, it's funny, but between my seven nieces and nephews and Sharon's seven nieces and nephews, and now I'm honorary aunt to Fitz's children, <laughs> I now have 21 <laughs> nieces and nephews, honorary and otherwise. I love it. That's what a awesome. blessing. I can't wait to meet Fitz's little twins, but you know, they're not so little. They were twin boys born each a little over six pounds. Wow. Um, that's healthy. That's pretty good. They were just a couple weeks technically early. I think for twins, they were probably right in what a lot of women would consider the normal zone, even though they were a couple weeks shy. But still, at six pounds, they're they're healthy boys. They're doing great. So if they would have waited two more weeks, oh. I wonder how many pounds they would have been. They would have been shaving. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the one and only Anna D, master of everything. I love it. Well, thank you, ladies. Thanks for joining here. And gosh, what what are we going to talk about today? Well, let's start with some things to refer to last week. Let's start with that. And then Claire has Great. something oh. I really am interested in talking about. We had briefly brought up cancel culture last week and this, oh, and this yes. concept of of, of digging back in your past and hearing things you said when you were, you know, 17 or 18. And, and at what point as a, as an older person, more established in your career, do you get to, are you allowed to atone for the things you said when you were young and dumb on Twitter, or do you have to own them for the rest of your life? Right, right. And I, I know one of the things I wanted to do was uh, apologize because I was talking about Zach Banner, who was the one who kind of stepped up and said to Sean, come on, man. And I said he was a Philadelphia Eagle and he is not. Sorry, Steelers fans. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler. Ah, <laughs> My brother would be really mad at me. Right. So it was Deshaun Jackson from the Eagles who, who, who referred to a statement by Louis Farrakhan that people had attached to, to Hitler, basically. And you're saying it's the guy from the Steelers who was kind of challenging him to do better. And you got the wrong team. <laughs> and I got the wrong team. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And then you had a big discovery about the priest you yelled at. <gasps> right. Oh, I didn't yell at him. Um, um, he yelled at me oh, for right. my bio <laughs> my on Twitter. <laughs> he went away from the my whole point and said, your Twitter bio is just maddening. And so someone chimes in, total stranger, don't know who she is, but she's like, stop bullying her. <laughs> and she goes, and if anybody looks at the website that he tries to publish on his bio, if we're going to be trolling people like that, Troll people. <laughs> well, I trolled you, mister. And she goes, and he is not a real priest. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding. One, yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. I guess you click onto it and um, he's married. <laughs> and Catholic priests are not married. And maybe... Maybe if they are, there might be, a, I don't know how many Catholic, I don't know any Catholic priests that are married. <laughs> so that guy is, is married. And his website was like kind of, a, I don't know, it felt satanic. So oh. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I left it alone after that. I mean, he, he poses himself as um, a priest when he comments and posts things. And he is not. He oh. is not. Gosh, so. why would someone do that, I wonder? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but you know what's disturbing about that is the fact that you just assumed that he was on the up and up and how easy it is on social media to take people at not even so much at their word, at the surface of their word, you know? Like right. like I can think of, of, of somewhat prominent personalities, whether they're radio personalities or otherwise, who call themselves doctor something. They might have a PhD in something, but they're passing themselves off as a physician of, of some note, you know? And no one ever yeah. bothers to take a look and go, you're not actually a doctor of that. You're a doctor of, like, astrophysics. Why are you talking <laughs> about COVID-19, you know, whatever, <laughs> right. or, or captain. Like I remember meeting a, a back when I did traffic report in L.A. There was a, a guy whose name was Commander, you know, John Smith, and I found out he's not a commander of anything. He just calls himself that, you know. So this priest, you know, how that just makes me mad. And, and you know, like like you said, I mean, if it's an on-air personality or you know somebody who calls him his, himself Commander or something, it might be just a title, name, you know, on-air right, state, right, right. whatever. I I knew a captain over in St. Louis that wasn't really a captain, but he knew he was just joking. And of course, and, General uh, Gridlock. Oh, right. General, General right. Gridlock. Sure. <laughs> He's not a general. <laughs> right. But this one, this guy, uh, his he puts on his bio, father so-and-so. Right. And, you know, and says, I am a priest. And he even tried to go back to the lady and say, I am a priest. I, I, I This and this and that. I have a flock. You go on his website and you can tell he's got like a flock of five. <laughs> Right, a flock right. of seagulls. So <laughs> I don't know. People can be deceived. It's, it's deceiving. It's, it's very deceiving. Yeah. yeah watch out, people. Watch Definitely. Out. Especially, well, I don't want to open up this whole subject right now, but kids, you know, they're so vulnerable. Uh, they'll think mm-hmm. you know, somebody is who they're not. I don't know. Did you guys see this thing this week about the um, Twitter getting hacked and, and messages going out trying to get money? very wealthy people asking you for money. Did you guys see this? This just happened. I what? I heard about yeah. it on the actually on the traffic page. DOT posted something about it. Yes. So there was some kind of hack of Twitter where people got into the verified accounts. Like when somebody has that blue check mark, it's because they're a person of some renown, whether they're an actor or, you know, whoever they are. And Mm. Twitter goes through like a process to make sure that you really are someone important enough to have that check mark, right? And people, Bill Gates, Barack Obama, uh, I think Kim Kardashian, Elon Musk was one of them. Very, very wealthy people. And someone hacked into their Twitter verified accounts and sent out tweets saying, hey, guess what? I'm doing this fundraiser, uh, blah, blah, blah. If you send me $1,000, I'll send you $2,000 back. But you have to send it in Bitcoin. And basically, it was a hack for somebody who got all of these messages funneled into some Bitcoin, and they got like a couple of hundred thousand dollars. (gasps) And obviously, Bill Gates isn't going to ask you for money or Warren Buffett. If they want to give money to charity, they're just going to give it to charity. They're not going to ask you and give it back to you. And this went on for a pretty good portion of time before Twitter was able to trace it. I don't think they got the money back from unwitting people. But, you know, you're talking about average ordinary Americans who get that tweet or see you didn't get it directed to you you just saw it in the feed and you went oh cool i have a chance to get built some of bill gates's money if i just give him a little bit how many people fell for that it's so sad that hundred thousand dollars worth of people yes yes 
That, that, I don't know what's worse, that there are criminals smart enough to fool you or that there are people that are naive enough to fall for it, you know? You've got to be so careful nowadays with, they're so sophisticated, these scams. Well, and yeah. even all these men that are inviting women to be their friend and they have no mutual friends. And, Ooh. you know, I always just delete them because I know about phishing and scamming and all that. But there are people that so want something that they're like, oh, hey, he looks nice. And then before you know it, they're asking for money. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, it's they're preying on lonely people or older people. Yeah, um, often. Often. It is. It's it's that's that's very worrisome. And, and you can try to educate people as best you can. But these things are getting so um, they're getting out so um, yeah, out of hand and sophisticated that it's getting harder to spot them before the damage is done. Like yesterday, I was trying to do um, something simple like making sure that I'm registered to vote, making sure everything's up to date, making mm -hmm. sure I can do mail ballot if I wanted to. And I was like, I need to re-listen to our last podcast when Lori said, text this. And they, yes. you know, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm in the living room and I don't have access to it, so I'm just going to try to Google it. And then I was afraid because I was like... What if the top hits on Google are not the voting sites uh, or the, the places to try to register to vote, and I'm just going to click on this and give them all my information, and it wasn't it. You right. know, I, I believe it is vote.org or vote.gov. Well, we better we better check, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what was? Do you remember that text number that you? Yes, uh, you're supposed to text the word "voter" to two six seven nine seven. Okay. Well, whatever I clicked, it <laughs> did tell me that I was updated. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so easy to do. And of course, you know Camilla Cabella. If you go on her site to check and see if you're registered to vote, you have the opportunity to win a video chat with her. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. So Claire was talking about theater. You know, it's interesting. We've hardly heard anything from the movie industry. They were shut down. All theaters are shut down. But we haven't really heard rumblings, you know, like, oh, this mm -hmm. is terrible. The new movie can't debut. And so that's been really interesting along with local theater. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny how I got on this thought <laughs> because my former life before I got into radio, I worked in professional theater and nonprofit theater. I worked at Seattle Repertory Theater and Tacoma Actors Guild and, and places like that around the country. And um, so this is something that's that's kind of always been near and dear to my heart. But, you know, in the past several years, I've gotten further and further away from it and just haven't had many opportunities to see it. And one of the things I was really excited about was this chance to see Hamilton, um, which I never got to New York or, or any place place where it was playing and it was on Disney plus and it's really a wonderful just wonderful piece and it's so popular I mean just people are posting all over the place about oh this is great this is great this is great gosh maybe now they'll start showing more Broadway plays on TV and we won't have to go to the theater anymore and I was like, oh, hold up. Right. <laughs> hold up a second. <laughs> Just because you get to experience this thing that you may not have been able to afford to pay a couple hundred dollars for a ticket, let alone a thousand dollars to travel to New York to see, doesn't mean that we need live theater to go away. There's a big difference between seeing a Broadway play that was produced for you to view on television and going live to a play. And it doesn't have to be Broadway. I'm talking about Seattle Children's Theater or Taproot Theater or the Village Theater or your kid's school play or anything you do. The experience of going to a play in person yes. or a musical and being there breathing the air with the actors and the audience while they're doing it cannot be replicated. And I'm no. and I'm so afraid that that coronavirus is 
it is going to financially cripple some of the, like the Seattle Children's Theater, which is like a world-renowned institution, had puts on just wonderful things, not to mention all the people they employ. They've already canceled their 2021 season. Like they already what? know they're not going to be performing next year, right? All um, year? All year, all year. Act Theater. Oh. Now they're 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 like a September to May kind of organization, right? So year really means like the nine months this school this school year basically, right? But they've already said we're not going to be able to do it. They just, you know, they they'd have to be ramping up now to get it done, and they just can't do it. Act Theater shut had to shut down for for their summer season, right? They had some layoffs as well. Oh. Uh, Tap Taproot, everything's on hold. They're a much smaller organization, much more family run. Um, and you multiply this all across the country, and it just it concerns me. A lot of these these nonprofit theaters, put putting aside the the size of the building, you look at Seattle Repertory Theater and you think, oh well, they've got millions of dollars. Yes and no, because nonprofit is a zero balance game, right? Everything mm-hmm. you make, everything you make, just goes right back into it, and they're all on a shoestring. And and just the thought of this being shut down, it it just it makes me sad that 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 they may not come back. I know we're all going through this right now. We can't go to movie theaters. We can't go to sporting events. We, we can't go to live concerts. We're getting all this stuff on Facebook, which is fun, but that live concert experience, all of this is suffering. It's Yeah, but yeah. the difference between the for-profit world where, mm-hmm. you know, Luke Bryan can take the summer off and he's right. probably going to be okay, <laughs> and, right. and the Taproot Theater that can't mm-hmm. take the summer off and come back, you know, I just, it, it worries me. I'm really hoping that some good Samaritans, some philanthropists will see the need for this arts for the kids, that they might step up and help support these organizations. Because so many kids, so many people say, well, I was in theater when I was a kid, and that's why I was able to go on and do public speaking. And I think it's so valuable. I think so, too. It might just be that I'm biased, but I think there's... (laughs) There's so much to me it is on par with sports as far as learning how to work with people toward a common goal, understanding that not just the creativity that goes into it, but the math, the science. There's so much to acting and scenic production and scenic design that is all about team building. I mean, you can tell, you know, when you go work on a project, let, let's say you're at work and, and they send three of you and you have to go work on a project together. You can tell the people that have never had to work collaboratively before from the people that can. And a theater, that's just one of the million things that I learned from theater is, is collaboration, deadline, organization, all of that stuff. And yeah, it makes me sad to think that that's going to get left by the wayside as an option for people as, a, as an activity, let alone as a profession. What what do you think of um, like there are venues and I'm just I'm actually just talking concerts right now but I'm trying mm-hmm. to you know I'm thinking what if they do this for theater too um, because now there are venues really thinking outside of the box so like we heard that like Garth Brooks did a drive-in concert right and um, and that would really mean really doing things differently, of course, for theater people. So uh, if they did the same thing, like what if we did, what if they did sort of a, either a drive-through or um, something that entails uh, outdoor, uh, maybe amphitheater, um, right, very large amphitheater. Um, maybe maybe and, we start yeah. seeing more of that. Yeah, I mean, that's something like, for example, Seattle Shakespeare Company, right. did, um, they perform outdoors. And oh, they do. Wonderful. They do oh, this yeah. already. Oh, and there's oh, one in Oregon, already. too. 
Yeah. Well, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Ashland is like right. the granddaddy of, of, yeah. of outdoor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, and, what, and, what if they did it like at CenturyLink or something instead right. of a small venue so that everybody feels safe and maybe like three rows at a time of, you know, or whatever, however it could be set up where they just can't fill it up. I, I capacity. I, I would be thrilled. You thought all, all if, of it to if, you. If, if, a, if a production of Taming of the Shrew filled CenturyLink Field, I could be happy for the rest of my life. So um, this is something I saw on a Hallmark movie, but uh-huh. it might not work for the, the players. But they were putting on a ballet and the building sold under them. You know, there's the, the, the problem because uh, it's a Hallmark movie. And right. so they had to move right before the recital and they have to cancel it. But hero Mr. Handsome comes in and saves the day and gets them to buy the building next door that has a total glass front. So they, even though they can't remodel the building in time, they can do the dance in front of the big glass window. And all the people right. came and watched it through the glass window. Or... Or, and you'll get this reference, Claire, do it the way Game of Thrones did it. So it's like really low budget (laughs) and puppets involved and (laughs) that would do it. Yeah, I think I think versions of all of these things are on the table. I I really do. I I think there has to be a way there has to be. They, there the has creative, to be. The creative brains have to get together and figure this out, a way to do that. So non- and again, I'm not opposed to taping it and throwing it on the Disney Channel. I think right. that's great, too. I just don't want to But ever... it's a different experience, though. It is. Doing it live, animal. like you said, it's mm-hmm. like when, when you're feeling it. And, and, you know, when the actors sometimes have to improvise when somebody yes. makes a mistake, that's it's better to be right there and yep. you enjoy it and you'll always remember it than if it were just on TV and recorded for, that for is, TV. Uh, yeah. I totally believe it. I believe in that. I feel like everybody in every aspect, so theater, uh, we're talking theater, so I'm going to just stick with that. But everybody, I think everybody has to think outside of the box. So with if, if they're thinking of doing something like um, CenturyLink or just doing it on a parking lot like some, I guess, theaters might be doing, uh, you know, yeah, they have to do lighting differently. They have to do costumes differently. Yes. They have to right. um, amplify differently the sound and everything. You know, what if they made it surround sound in, in different little areas or they have to think of something They're there's right. got to be a way. There's so many different ways of doing it, and I believe they can. They can. They can do this. I'll, I'll even be part of the team. Those are great creative challenges too. Yeah. I mean, you know, theater people love a challenge, and right. and everything you just said from sound and lighting and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. absolutely. Background. Um, yeah. Yeah. They Backdrops can, or whatever. They, yeah, yeah, they they can rise to it, but they have to be able to financially survive, just like any small yeah. business. And and I don't want to obviously. There's a lot of other small businesses that are that are struggling right now, but just like any small business, they're going to have to get really creative, and they're going to have to keep on treading water until they have the opportunity to get to that creativity. Oh, here here's one. Here's one. I'm so sorry. I'm taking up space here, but I I, I got one idea. And I'm just going to let let it go. Uh, let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Great musical. Um, That was my last musical I saw before COVID. Um, Anyway, so you know how um, there are those VRs that you put over your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not, I don't know how that all works, but I would imagine the experience uh, is uh, supposed to be like being somewhere live like right. right there so so um maybe not all the senses are there maybe you can't really smell everything or you know feel everything but you can see things and hear things I feel like I used to work at Walt Disney World at one time in my life and so everything was about um 
really uh, exceeding everyone's expectations and just going all out with with every sensory uh, that you could. So there, there has to be, if Disney could think of something, if their Imagineers could think of something for theaters, for the theater, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, world, and, and just do it, that would be so great. Yeah, I, I really feel like there's there's a solution out there, and we can't pinpoint it out, but it is there. When right. I there, when, there will be, I think, yeah, COVID is going to spawn a lot of innovation in a lot of ways that I don't yeah. think we can imagine yet. Well, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping your <laughs> vaccine is is the first thing. Yeah, that yeah that's number one. <laughs> right, but in addition to that, I yeah. think there's going to be other. You know, the the human mind has no end when you use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I look at all these nonprofits who had to cancel their fundraisers because it was right in March, April is when so many do them. They were so many of them were able to what they call pivot and they put this event online. And so it was still live, but online. And so people were doing the walks and the you know, runs in their neighborhoods, but they were all checking in online as the day went on. So I think that even having somebody there that's you're watching it live from home rather mm-hmm. than a video, it could be a fundraiser. And But to see the creativity, and I think some really amazing businesses are going to come out of this and they're going to go, thanks to COVID, we're millionaires. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think you're right. And by the way, but just like a second ago, Anna, you apologize for taking up space. Don't you ever, ever apologize for that. <laughs> we'll be all over you. <laughs> you know, your space. I, I listen to our podcast and I'm like, oh my gosh, I talked for like 10 minutes straight. That's why we're here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, oh, I'm a coach at a nonprofit. It's called the Recovery Cafe. And they're still doing meals, but they're doing sack lunches. And we had some trainings there yesterday and today. Whenever we have any kind of trainings or anything there, we always end up with like pizza or amazing lunches. And the cafe makes amazing lunches for these people that come in off the streets. So the last two days has been tuna noodle casserole. We're like, what? And there's like budget, you know, and you look at all the amazing things that were happening and growth that was happening And then COVID came along, you know, and everything had to scale back and scale down. And I just thought that was really interesting because you don't want to sound like a jerk, like tuna noodle casserole again when it's what the homeless (laughs) people are getting. And they're so grateful, you know. Right, right. Right. I know. Yeah. Right. I didn't know you did that, Lori. You do a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a recovery coach. How, How do you balance all of the things that you do? Um, very carefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, what exactly is a recovery coach? The recovery cafe is a place where people come in off the streets and they can get help for their drug and alcohol addiction. So once they become a member, then they get assigned chores. So all of that's a little skewed now, too. And then they have to go to a group meeting, which is all Zoom now, and then they get assigned a coach. And what has amazed me is all of the people in recovery that I have been coaching through COVID, the one thing they say in recovery, don't isolate and don't work full time right away because you need to work on your recovery. Well, these people are having to isolate and they're all essential workers. They're all working at those places. And so they have been working overtime. They've been isolating when they're at home. 
and they have been kicking it. They have been really doing amazing at their recovery. And I feel like it's showing the recovery community that there are a lot of ways to recover. It's been such a delight for me to. And what I love about people in recovery, they know they got to center themselves every day. They've got to have a quiet time, read a devotional or the big book or something every day to stay centered. And because of COVID, they're they're having to make sure they do that. And I'm just seeing their lives flourish. It's it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lori, you said something interesting. You said a lot, a lot of people are thriving. They're doing really well right now. And you're so proud of, of, of how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Um, I think there are there are just some people in the world that really rise to crisis, that find it within themselves, whether, you know, if you're battling your own demon, that perhaps you see this as a, a place to marshal yourself and go, you know what, I struggle with this, but I'm going to kick butt at this, right? You know what I think you know, it you, is? I, I'm what? so glad you brought this up, Claire. People who have been through things are kicking COVID's butt. People who have not had to struggle, they've not had times where, where's the money coming from? Those people are really struggling because they don't have a reference of, hey, we made it through this, we'll make it through that. When I look at these addicts, they have been on the streets. Mm -hmm. They know how to do struggle. And I think you're right. And that's the one gift I think that will come out of it is that they really know how to survive well. Yeah, I've I've seen that personally with people, too. It's interesting watching people I know and family members who um, (laughs) the ones who have struggled are doing just fine right now. Mm -hmm. And the ones who who've never had to struggle are are struggling. It's it's interesting to watch, you know, you, you do what you can for people, but but ultimately it comes from within. Right. And one of the philosophies of the recovery program is gratitude. So they are practicing gratitude every day. And when you mm-hmm. practice gratitude, it does change you. And it doesn't mean they're not having some really crappy bad days because I get those phone calls too. But for the biggest overall part, I just see them checking in, getting centered, being grateful. They're all like, I am so grateful I have a job. You know, I'm so grateful I'm getting extra hours. And I do think that what you said, Claire, is so true. And I struggled because my kids went through a lot because of our divorce and all of that. But I look at them now and they're thriving. And I think, okay, that hard time maybe served them as much as I have mom guilt and wish their life could have been a little better. I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. well, look at how well they're doing this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sometimes you guys just make me think. I know. I am like, I'm like <laughs> thinking like... about anything that I struggled with. Is it helping me? You know, <laughs> like that kind of thought process right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, I'm in the whoa mode. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and the opposite, the things that you didn't. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm a, you may not know this about me, but I'm very extroverted. Um, I, I, <laughs> I like people and I like to talk to people and I'm very social. At least I used to be. And, and in the last, for whatever, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it was moving or starting a new job or age or whatever it is, but my, both my partner and I kind of shut down socially. We didn't mean to do that. We just don't, we used to throw parties. We don't do that anymore. We used to get invited to parties. We used to go to them. We used to meet people for lunch. It was all the stuff that we used to do. And in the last couple of years, we've just stopped doing that. And Boy, have I learned my lesson because not being able to see anybody for the last four months, I cannot wait to have a party or go to a party (laughs) or at least go to a restaurant with more than two people, you know, 
and I, I am never ever going to take for granted the ability to be social again once this is over. Yeah. See, that's yeah. the reset. That's where COVID has made us realize some things. I love that. Can we be the first ones to go to lunch with you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Totally. Totally. Lori, Lori, I cannot wait because I did actually get to see, was that yesterday? My days are all Yes, yes. And I cannot wait to see you where we're not wearing a mask and we get to have a meal and like be closer than six feet from each other. We're we're, we're like awkwardly going, okay, virtual hug. (laughs) (laughs) Virtual hug. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So one thing I, uh, one big takeaway from the training that I did this weekend, we were talking about professionalism because recovery coaches, that's a new thing. And they're wanting to get them into the emergency rooms of hospitals so that it will relieve doctors. You know, the doctors, the nurses, they'll do their thing. The recovery coach comes in and talks to them about where they can get help. So we're learning more about professionalism and all of that. I love what one of what our leader said. She said, I always lead with love because if you come across in a suit and tie, then what about the addict on the street? Are they going to be able to approach you? So it's kind of that trying to find the balance. And I love how she said that because I feel like in this time of COVID, there's been a lot of not love (laughs) and people judging on Facebook and, you know, mad because you're wearing a mask, mad because you're not wearing a mask and all of this. And I just feel like I want to say today, let's lead with love. If we could let that be our first thought and give people grace, maybe assume the best before we go to the worst. And it's intentional. You know, you're driving down the road, you see someone and our thought just goes somewhere. What about if we go to that thought, we all see the guy who has a sign there, panhandle near our work. And rather mm-hmm. than, oh, there he is again, but smiling, thinking, man, yeah. he may have used to, maybe he used to be a dad. Maybe he used to be an executive, but lead with love and lead with our best effort first. Mm-hmm. That's my coaching moment for today. What's your big that. takeaway? <laughs> I'm just thinking about my, you know, my mom used to say that assume the best, don't assume mm-hmm. the worst. Assume the best, but be prepared. Something like that. She had this phrase that was basically what you're saying. You know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Don't don't be naive, but give people the benefit of the doubt and assume the best in people. And and my mom was a really wonderful lady, and oh, she did assume that. the best in people. That's where you. That's where it came from. <laughs> I I heard a guy on an audiobook, and he said, "There's more lifeguards on the beach than sharks, but when we <laughs> focus on the sharks, that's all we can see." And I love that so much because there are people who will take advantage, but we can't protect ourselves from that all the time. We've got to trust that we will have intuition, that we'll know when there's a shark around, but to assume everyone's a lifeguard versus a shark. So that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That just reminded me of something. And if this is a tangent, stop me. But um, Lori, last week you were talking about the book, The Four Agreements. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mentioned that it was on my Kindle because my partner and I share a Kindle account. And so I went, you know, I think I'm going to read that book. And cool. I actually, so far, I've only got as far as the introduction. The introduction <laughs> is really interesting <laughs> because the, the concept is that everything in the world is already there. It's already around us. It's where we choose to put our attention that becomes our focus, right? Mm-hmm. And this just fascinated me, this notion of like, the people and the things and the places and the colors and the sounds and all the things that there are available. But we've grown up with, we've been either directed by our parents or our, our church or our school or whatever it is, and this is not bad or good, to 
focus our attention in certain ways. So we're only seeing the things that we are choosing to see. And like, that was like mind blown for me. <laughs> I love <laughs> you know? that. Like, wow, there's a whole lot of stuff out there that I am not at all aware of because it's just never been on my freeway to pull off that off ramp and look at it, mm. you know. So um, kind of like jumpstarting your brain so that you can <laughs> maybe see a lot more than that maybe it is. narrow, you know. Yeah, like taking, yeah. Blind, taking blinders off a horse. You know, the horse mm. has the blinders for its protection so that snakes don't scare it. It doesn't throw the people yes. off, right? right. <laughs> yes. But maybe the horse would be like, I'm okay with snakes if it knew they were there, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a horse. I, I don't but, know. <laughs> but I'm just like, wow, if I can't even get past the introduction of this book, I'm not sure how I'm going to do with the actual four agreements. Exactly. But, oh, you will. Uh, like, you. I cut through half the one chapter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> love it. You could just say I'm digesting it slowly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but to me. What's wrong with that? And, and in, our, in our conversations that we've had, even before this podcast, just getting to know you, Lori, it was just such a very Lori moment that I had. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I never thought about it that way before. You know, just a different way of seeing, a different way of thinking. And you're never too old. It's never too late to change your thinking or to adjust your thinking or at least widen it. You know, I love that so much. I think people act like I'm too old or it's too late. And I love it that you said that. Yeah. And Lori could probably tell you if you took the blinders off of a horse and there was a snake there, how they'd react. Yeah, depends on the horse. <laughs> she knows horses. <laughs> well, I think they're counting to eight. <laughs> no, they're stomping it. <laughs> well, I think we were going to try to, a new feature, and I think you already went through your part of it, uh, Lori, but we were going to try to do a lightning round Love of it. what we want the, the listeners to know. Claire, do you, is there something that you want people to know this week? You know, I think it's just that thought that I just had about that, that introduction from the four agreements about take a moment to get off your freeway and onto a different ramp, you know, yeah. take, take a different way, L literally and figuratively, you know, just look around at the movies you choose on Netflix or the books you think you want to read or, or whatever, and just take a moment and go, wow, there is a whole bunch of other stuff out there. Maybe I'll just try this. Maybe I will give this 20 minutes of my time. I might like it and I might not like it, but there's so much out there and we're trained to go one direction and why not go the other just for a little bit? I love yeah. it. How and about, at least you opened up your mind right. to, yeah. to it. How about yeah. you, Anna? Yeah. What do you want people to uh, know? It's totally off, you know, tangent, but n I'm just going to say nature is good for the soul. Oh. So be around it a lot. Mm. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Sounds like you had an experience. Really uh, you know, I went fishing and, and I, I do um, exercise outside because I have no choice, but it really does feel good. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't just mean exercising outdoors. It could mean just growing flowers and growing food or mm -hmm. being around animals, you yeah. know, or sitting in the backyard by the fire pit. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. yay for nature. Yay. <laughs> Well, I and wait, wait, I do want to make sure that you had uh, had some time to life coach Lori. I feel like I did. Okay, very good. Well, I enjoyed talking with both of you. I always do. Ditto. Me too. <laughs> so thank you, Claire and life coach Lori for your wisdom and your awesomeness. And, and Anna. thank you, listeners. No, thank you. And thank, thank you for you. your listening and your awesomeness. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. Uh, thank you for downloading us and listening to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment below. Coach Lori has something she'd like to add. We like a five-star rating. That way people can find us. 
Woohoo! I don't know if you heard that little sound effect, I but did. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> well, have a great rest of your week, ladies. And to the rest of you, this is Listen and Learn or Not. Or not. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, girls. Bye. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Anna.